Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is episode number 151 of the newsletter, published on Wednesday, September 23rd of 2020. Can you believe we're into almost the end of September already? This year has just been insane for so many different reasons. I can't believe we're on episode number 151. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. My goal in this episode is to share with you the most important news from Google and in the world of search this week. And I'm also going to cover some audience questions. Uh, I'm really excited this week for, we're going to do two mini site reviews. We're going to look at a site called inspireditaly.com and also another site uh, called mrxstitch or crossstitch.com. If you are interested in hearing what I have to say about these websites, I'm just going to do a very cursory review of them. Um, Then I encourage you to get those open on your phone on your browser. We'll talk about those near the end of this episode. And we've got lots of other stuff to talk about as well. Hrefs has uh, an announcement that they made that their Webmaster Tools suite is now available for free to everyone. And this sounds exciting, but a lot of SEOs are not happy about this. So I'll give you my thoughts on that. We've got some updates to Google My Business guidelines. And I'm going to tell you about an upcoming webinar that I'm going to be running in regards to auditing links. So lots of stuff. So let's get right into it. Uh, so first of all, it looks like we've had some kind of an algorithm algorithm update to discuss. September 14th of 2020, we had a good number of sites that we monitor uh, that saw a significant increase in their traffic, which is really nice. Uh, I would say a lot of our clients saw just a very, very tiny bump up. Um, A very small percentage actually saw some declines and more than usual saw increases. And so this is an exciting thing for us. It's hard to say exactly what this is about. Now, we've had only a week to analyze this, uh, and it's always questionable whether, you know, how much detail we need to go into to analyze every little blip that we see on uh, Google uh, search rankings. Um, I might be coming back and doing more research on this later on, but what we can see, I've put some screenshots in newsletter of uh, some sites that saw increases, again, September 14th, and many of these sites, their increases were... uh, They came from winning featured snippets or site links. Uh, Site links are when you, you know, if you search for a brand and you see uh, that brand has usually it's like six different links or so that that Google, uh, it's often here's the about page for this brand. Here's their most common page. I think if you search for ours, you might see something about EAT on, uh, you know, our site links. Um, And so it looks like some sites won some site links and some sites lost them. Uh, And so if your traffic changed on September 14th, then I would be looking at whether you have uh, seen changes in featured snippets in site links. Now, it's hard to say whether those are the cause because uh, the two are correlated. We see all the time that if a website gets negatively affected by a Google update uh, because of quality issues, there's a certain threshold, it seems, where Google just does not want to use that site for featured snippets. So if uh, this is more important when there's a core update, which I don't think September 14th was a core update. But when there's a core update, um, if you have lost all of your featured snippets, this can be a sign that Google is now reassessing your site as one that maybe isn't the highest quality and uh, maybe not one that they want to feature 
And that's why you don't get the featured snippets, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, we'll see if we do more research into this. But uh, again, uh, this is something that we've listed in our algorithm update list. You can find that at mariehaines.com slash algo. Um, and uh, I think that, um, you know, there's not a significant change in search. I think Google's just kind of fooling around with when they give a, when they display a featured snippet, when they display site links, things like that. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that for you. I should note that as I'm recording this, so Wednesday, September 23rd, uh, there is some chatter that maybe there is a significant update happening right now. This seems to be the norm that, uh, you know, we've had a lot of turbulence over the last month. And uh, I've said September 14th is an update, but I I think that it's continuing to happen. There's, there's something that Google has changed. So we're going to keep an eye on this September 23rd change. Obviously, if it just happened today, it's hard for me to talk a whole lot about it in podcast. Um, but if you were affected, then uh, often a great thing to do is to tweet at the MHC Inc. Twitter account. And uh, Summer, who runs that account for us, she'll keep, keep a list of uh, the concerns that have come through this. So if you think, if you saw a big drop in traffic, let us know. Uh, because if we see enough interest in a particular date, then that gives me the incentive to go in and say, all right, let's spend a few more hours trying to figure out what Google did here. Um, Speaking of MHC, we're planning an upcoming webinar. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It's been a while since we did this. We did a three-part series on EAT. I want to say that was over a year ago now. It's been a, a little while. Still very relevant if you are trying to learn more about EAT. In part one, we gave a very good overview of uh, many aspects of EAT. In part two, uh, we talked about reputation issues um, and, uh, and author issues, I believe, as well. And then part three was primarily about trust. And uh, uh, there was a lot of stuff covered there. We're going to do a new webinar. I don't have the date in front of me right now, but it's coming up soon and it's all about link auditing. Link auditing is something that I have been doing for many, many years now. Uh, we've been paying attention to everything that Google says about whether a link could be high quality, low quality. I'm still working on an article that I hope to have out soon about uh, the current state of guest posting. Uh, in Google's eyes, because I think not all of it is bad, but most of what SEO agencies are doing are probably going against Google's guidelines. Um, and so if you have questions about link auditing, then again, you can send those to us through the MHC Inc. Twitter account. Uh, I believe that they we've also tweeted uh, a form that you can use uh, to submit your questions as well. So if you have questions about would you disavow this link or, um, you know, do your guest posting links need to be disavowed? Uh, is this type of link building acceptable in Google's eyes. I'll give you my thoughts on that when we do this webinar coming up soon. Uh, Google published a new blog uh, called Web Creators, and this is a new section of Google's blog uh, that is supposedly supposed to help content creators. And it's not just website owners. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be helping, um, well, let's see here, they're going to be helping um, photographers, people who publish content to put on the web. Um, and uh, initially, you know, it's not terribly exciting. I, I took a look at it because when the announcement first came out, I was thinking, wow, you know, Google has a whole blog to tell us what it is that they value in terms of quality content. 
and so given that that's something that we want to be known for is understanding what Google values for content, uh, I want to pay close attention to this. I did look at what they've got on the blog already. And one of the things that they did was feature uh, a couple of people who have been successful in creating content online. Both of them that they've featured so far are, uh, they have recipe websites. Now, so here's what I thought was interesting was that both of these posts that they're featuring these content creators uh, start off by really extolling their EAT. They talk about, you know, one of them uh, was reviewed by the Washington Post and the New York Times, and uh, both both of these people that they featured have had been on MasterChef. Uh, and so um, they're really starting off these posts by extolling EAT. And I think that that's a lesson for us, and I'm going to talk about this a bit in the site reviews that we do uh, at the end of this episode, because... Um, Google wants to see, you know, it's one thing if I made this fantastic cookie and I wanted to create a website all about this cookie that I made, how does Google know whether that's a good cookie? You know, there could be uh, comments maybe of people saying, wow, I made this, this was fantastic, but comments can be faked. Um, and so in order for me to show Google, uh, hey, I'm really good at writing things about cookies and you should feature my cookie recipes online, there have to be some signals to show that I have EAT. And so this is what Google was doing in describing these two content creators, was saying, look, the New York Times wrote about them. They were on MasterChef. They were uh, featured in the Washington Post. And there's other things, too, where they talk about where these individuals, or you know, I think the same would apply to brands, have been featured. And this is a huge component of EAT, in my opinion. Uh, the Quality Raiders Guidelines talk about uh, do other experts consider you an expert? Do they quote your content? So if I read an article about a particular algorithm update and some of the major search engine news publications will quote me or say, hey, Marie Haynes thinks that this is happening, that's a sign that I'm seen as an expert uh, by other experts in our community. And this should be a goal for you. If you're creating content, you want to create content that's not just the best of its kind, but that other people in your industry recognize as really good content as well. So that's the major take-home point that I took from uh, from the blog post on uh, Google's blog. There is also some information on using web stories and AMP, which I haven't dug into in this, in this blog as well. I'm following them now on Twitter, and as uh, new stuff comes up, if there's anything we can pull out of that as a, a sign of something that Google values in terms of high-quality content, we'll let you know on that. This was really an interesting controversial topic that came up. There was a study done by Reboot Online just recently uh, talking about whether hosting can impact your ability to rank. So talking about hosting, um, I think most of us know that when you have a website, it has to be hosted somewhere. Uh, you know, GoDaddy is a place where a lot of people, you can buy a domain name there, but you can also host it there. Uh, Namecheap is another area. Um, actually, Namecheap is more for buying domains. Uh, we host currently on Pair.com, although I think we're changing that with our uh, site that's coming up. Nothing against Pair. We just have, uh, I'm not an expert in um, understanding where to host websites. The point is though that let's say, so when I first started my very first website, I bought a package on HostGator. Uh, this is not 
to slam HostGator. I think if you are starting a hobby website, uh, if you need an inexpensive hosting plan, then there's a lot of really great stuff about HostGator. Uh, I learned a lot about using their cPanel, um, and, and it's very intuitive. I found it uh, very, very good. Um, but I did run into problems with HostGator uh, once I started getting traffic levels that were uh, really high. Um, and so, uh, you know, shared hosting can be a trouble sometimes. Shared hosting means that um, if I get a plan with HostGator, they have a server that can host many, many different websites. And sometimes it's hundreds of websites. And so let's say that I have this very amazingly high quality SEO website that is hosted on HostGator. And maybe on my same server, there is all sorts of uh, adult content, low quality phishing sites, just really horrible websites. The hypothesis that Reboot Online put forth was that hosting on the same server as these low-quality websites could potentially impact my website. Now, when I first saw this uh, come across Twitter, I think it was Cyrus Shepard who tweeted about it. When I first saw it, I thought, well, that can't be true. There, there's no way that can be true because that's it's completely unfair. I could produce a fantastic website, and just because it's hosted on the same server as you know some horrible website doesn't mean that Google should treated any less, you know, any less. So this study that was done, I was, I read it kind of set out to, to disprove it, <laughs> and which is not a good way to start reading studies. I, I really am trying to be unbiased when I look at these things, but I mean, we're human, right? So, uh, so I had biases when I started reading this study, but it's really well done. They've uh, controlled for many variables. They looked at, so let me tell you what they did. They created a, a fake word, and uh, then they created a whole bunch of websites that wrote content about this word. Um, and all of these websites were brand new domains, never, uh, you know, never existed before. The content was completely different. They made sure that each of these sites had very good page speed insights scores. So it's not like hosting on shared hosting. Maybe, you know, maybe that caused the page speed to be low because it was a low quality host. And maybe we could blame ranking issues on that. They, they tried to make these equal. And a number of the sites they hosted on uh, shared hosting plans and the number of the and then half of the sites they sh hosted on AWS that were not shared hosting plans and uh, I've included a screenshot from their study in newsletter. So if you want to get the um, written version of what I'm talking about right now, it's at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. It's super obvious that the sites that were on AWS ranked way better for that keyword than uh, the sites that were on shared hosting. So is there another explanation? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think the way that I look at it is at this point, these websites, all of the ones that they created, they were essentially equal. Uh, you know, they had essentially equal content length, uh, content value, um, page speed. They're, they're really, you know, it would be very challenging for an algorithm to come in and say, ah, this is really the best example. This is the one that we want to um, we want to promote. Um, and so, uh, you know, if, with all things being equal, I guess it's possible that the shared hosts uh, had an impact somehow. I mean, the, the data's there. It very clearly showed that the sites that were hosted on shared hosting did not perform as well in terms of rankings. I think, though, that uh, it's probably a tiny, tiny factor, if anything at all. 
because uh, in the real world, uh, you know, we're not going to use a made up word. We're going to have links involved and we're going to have different headings on the page and different ways that Google can assess whether content is actually helpful or not. And I do think that you can do just fine on shared hosting. That said, though, I mean, if it's something that you're considering at the po- at the time, whether to go with a $10 a month shared hosting plan or something that's significantly more expensive, uh, and that's something that we're making the jump right now because um, of a number of different reasons. I think when you have, uh, when I first started, I, it really was a hobby blog. Uh, here's my thoughts on SEO. Um, and now, you know, we're a legitimate business that has uh, a good number of clients and some recognition in the industry. So we're doing all we can to uh, produce the highest quality site, and we are going for more expensive hosting. So, uh, you know, I don't have any conclusions on this, but I thought it was really interesting to talk about. And if you have theories on why the sites that were on shared hosting did not perform as well, uh, that, that, you know, if you can explain it in some other way, I'd love for you to tweet that at me because uh, I'm still having a hard time grasping uh, that this could be true. Um, let's see here. Local SEO. Google just recently updated their guidance on uh, local ranking factor. Um, it's weird that they just changed a, a word here. They had in their guidelines, in terms of Google My Business reviews, they had more reviews and positive ratings will probably improve a business's local ranking. That's what it used to say. They changed it now. Instead of saying it'll probably improve, they said more reviews can improve. A business's local ranking. Am I reading too much into, I mean, why would they take the time to change just that word? Are they saying, I mean, when I first read this, I was like, ooh, reviews can improve your rankings. I mean, we knew that. Uh, If you're a local business, that should be one of the things that's on your radar is find ways to get your customers to leave reviews for you, especially your happy customers. Um, but I think they're actually saying, you know, before we said they probably would improve your rankings, but in some cases that's not true. So maybe they just can improve your rankings. Anyways, the take home point that I took from this is that it's good to get reviews. Uh, it's always good to get reviews for your business for multiple reasons. Even if it's not just for SEO, uh, you want your potential future customers to read what other people say about your business and to say, wow, these people loved this business, so maybe I'll love it too. Uh, you know, every, you should be working on getting more reviews. So maybe we shouldn't get too hung up on the change of wording, but it's very important uh, in local SEO to get reviews. Um, not a whole lot to report on in terms of changes to the local ranking algorithms, uh, but um, there are some changes in uh, Google My Business's guidelines in terms of service area business and virtual offices. We've talked about this a lot in the the past couple of years. Um, If you run out of a virtual office, you are really not supposed to use that as your Google My Business uh, office location. And people do it all the time. I mean, if I, you know, we have our uh, business right now, we're, we're, we exist in Canada, which is a city that is just on the outskirts of Ottawa, Canada. Most of you, you know, probably have heard of Ottawa, but you haven't heard of Canada probably. Um, and so if I wanted to rank, we don't get foot traffic for uh, SEO, but, um, you know, there are some local businesses that do. So let's say I wanted to do local SEO for, uh, for Ottawa businesses, then it would be beneficial for me to have an address that's closer to the middle of the city. Uh, 
Uh, it's not impossible for me to rank for Ottawa SEO company, uh, even though I'm, you know, 20 minutes outside of the center of the city. Um, but it would be way easier for me to rank for that if I was in the center of the city. The problem is though, that like, you can't just go get a PO box or a virtual office. Google is, they're pretty good at catching on to that. I, I don't think they get it hundred percent of the time. Um, but if you have competitors that are monitoring their SERPs, uh, I'm sure that they will report you if they start noticing that uh, a virtual office is ranking above them. So here's some of the guidelines that they have changed. Uh, quote, businesses can't list a virtual office unless that office is staffed during business hours. That's new or not new. That's, that's, that's been there for a long time. Um, so if you have a virtual office, uh, you need to have staff there, which seems kind of counterintuitive. I, I think this really fits for people who use shared offices. Um, you know, when we first started uh, at the location we're at now, we were on a different floor where uh, we were subletting from somebody who uh, had a bunch of shared office space, co-working office space. Uh, and so a lot of people would, you know, still get that address just for the address. But if you don't have staff there and you might say, well, how would Google know? I don't know if they're still doing this, but I know a few years ago they would occasionally actually send people out uh, to go visit these businesses and see, like, was there a receptionist? Was there somebody available at this address or is it just a post office box? Um, they may or may not do that for you, but you really don't want to be trying to rank with a virtual office. Um, if your business doesn't have a storefront with clear signage, but travels to customers at their physical locations, you're allowed one service area business profile. That's important to know. Um, if your business doesn't have permanent on-site signage, then you can't list it as a storefront and it should be a service area business. Also, the boundaries of your overall area shouldn't extend farther than about two hours of driving time from where your business is based. I think for most businesses that makes sense. You know, if you're a uh, a realtor or a locksmith or somebody who works in an extended area, uh, you know, it, I don't think it's realistic to think that you should rank for a city that's three hours outside of where you currently service. That, that doesn't really make sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Aref, Ahrefs and their uh, webmaster tools. So Ahrefs Webmaster Tools has been around for a long time. We have used it. We kind of go back and forth in between Ahrefs Webmaster Tools and using SEMrush uh, site audits. I think they both add, uh, they both do really amazing things. Um, Ahrefs caused a bit of a stir this week because they actually announced that their section for Webmaster Tools, uh, the site audit section is available to everybody now. And I would encourage, I would encourage you to, uh, to, to do this, you know, set up your site. Um, you can learn a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go through a whole overview of what, uh, Ahrefs Webmaster Tools does, uh, but it can help you find errors on your site and, uh, and find some ranking opportunities when you combine it with the backlink data and also, uh, you know, other, um, competitive data that they have, you can really, really learn a lot about a website and where to make improvements. And so if you're not currently using any sort of a site audit, uh, I think this is a great thing to try, and I would encourage you to try it. The problem, though, is that a lot of SEOs, when Ahrefs started tweeting that our tool is free now for everybody to use, and there's limits, like, you know, it, I think you can reach a, a limit where you have to start paying, um, but for the most small websites, it really should be good. So when Ahrefs said, ah, oh, our tool is free now, a bunch of SEOs started tweeting about protecting their keyword data. Now, I think, I, I don't know if I have this 100% 
understood. <laughs> but here's my understanding of the situation. So let's say that there's a super important keyword that I rank for. Uh, I don't know if it's like a payday loans keyword, a mesothelioma, uh, you know, all these things that are, um, you know, cost huge money <laughs> to, to try to buy ads for uh, and make, uh, it's very, very challenging to, to rank organically for because they're super high competition. Um, if I go into one of the tools right now, so Ahrefs, uh, SEMrush, Moz, any of these tools, they'll all get this information that tells me uh, average search volume, um, you know, how important are these keywords? And I can find out that, oh, more people tend to search for mesothelioma attorney as opposed to lawyer, or, you know, I'm making this up right now, but I can get information uh, that really, really helps me um, because I can, I can see search volumes and things like that. The thing is that those search volumes are estimated. And uh, we talked a few months ago about how a tool called JumpShot uh, shut down and uh, a lot of um, the ranking tools, they got their data from JumpShot. JumpShot would uh, use clickstream data to basically um, estimate a lot of these numbers. Uh, and I think a lot of it was um, done through, well, you know, it doesn't really matter how it's done. They, they were estimates of uh, keyword ranking data. Now, let's say that uh, I have a website that is ranking for, you know, one of these super competitive terms. Um, one of the ways, if I wanted to sign up for Ahrefs Webmaster Tools, one of the ways that I can connect my site to Ahrefs is to connect my Google Search Console data. Uh, and so Google Search Console has way more accurate data than a tool that estimates based on clickstream, uh, from my understanding. And what that means is that now, instead of having estimated data, Ahrefs can just jump in and go, well, you know what? <laughs> this main keyword for which you're on page one has had 400,000 impressions in the last month. That's legitimate data from Google. That's not estimated. That's real stuff. So if I, uh, you know, wanted to rank for these competitive keywords and I did not want my competition to have the best data possible, I think then uh, it might make sense for me to say, well, I don't want to give Ahrefs access to my webmaster tools, uh, search console. Um, and so uh, now people were quick to point out that uh, there are other ways to connect to Ahrefs. You don't have to connect your search console. There are other ways that you can verify your website. Um, but a lot of people will do it that way. And so Ahrefs is going to have a ton of data. Personally, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, it doesn't affect me personally. And I would rather have more up-to-date data than, uh, than something that is estimated. But I can see how some websites that are in competitive spaces might have some issue with this. You know, I don't think it's as big of a controversy as uh, a lot of people are saying. And I do think that, uh, you know, if you haven't tried out a free site review uh, tool, it's, it's worthwhile checking it out. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in, uh, in Ahrefs. Let's um, move on here to, uh, to do a couple little mini site reviews. I want to talk about, uh, so this is something where if you would like me to give you a little bit of insight into what I think is a, maybe a quality issue on your website or something that you can improve upon, you can tweet at the MHC Inc. Twitter account, uh, or you can also go to any episode of newsletter, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And there's a Google form that you can submit there to uh, submit your website 
and you know what your major concerns are. And I, I won't be spending hours and hours on this. Each of these sites I've probably spent about 10 minutes on. So um, just as a, a I, I'll, I'll say this every time that we're going to do these mini reviews. When my team and I do full site reviews, uh, we take two to three weeks of deep investigation to look at sites. So what I can see in 10 minutes is not going to be anywhere near as detailed as what we can do in a full site review. But still, Hopefully I can give you a few tips here. And what I'm going to try to do is, uh, because this is a voice podcast, I obviously can't show everybody uh, what I'm looking at. So I'm going to try my best to talk about things descriptively. And I would encourage you, if you're at home uh, and if you have access, you know, if your phone's there or your computer's right in front of you, to open up these websites uh, to see what I'm talking about. So the first website is called inspireditaly.com, and it's all uh, all one word. Um, and this was sent to us through Twitter. Uh, and saying that you are a niche tour operator. Okay, so when I open up, uh, let me just get this page open up for me here, Inspired Italy. My first thought when I reach your homepage, now I like your homepage, I like the slider, I think I haven't tested page speed, um, as long as that's not slowing down your page speed, I think that that is, is great. Um, you know, you've got some good imagery there as well. But there's nothing here to tell me who Inspired Italy is. There's nothing, now if I scroll down, I can see that you're featured in BBC Travel, in Snow Magazine, in, you know, a number of really uh, uh, good places. And I like that you've linked out uh, to those features as well, because it helped me to see that, oh, okay, well, this this company, Inspired Italy, actually has been recommended in, um, you know, travel blogs on, on uh, BBC Travel is a great place to get a recommendation uh, if you're a travel website. The thing is, though, that it wasn't immediately clear to me what you do. I didn't know whether you were a lead gen company that would connect me with somebody to take a guided tour, a bike tour or something like that. Um, I didn't know if you just did, I see you have ski tours and you have bike tours, but uh, is that all you offer? I, I would like to see something in the above the fold content that, uh, you know, very easily says, uh, here's what we do. You know, we do ski tours, we do bike tours and our tour operators, assuming you offer the tours, you know, here's why our tour operators are the best. Maybe even feature some of your tour operators. Uh, I've still not hundred percent though, whether it's lead gen or whether it's your own tools. So, uh, tours, uh, again, this is probably made clear at some point in the website, but remember somebody who is coming to your website, just searching, trying to figure out like, Hey, I'm coming to Italy soon. And maybe I want to do a tour. Uh, they're going to have these questions and they're not going to spend an hour uh, digging through your website to try to figure out uh, whether they should book through you or book through something else. Um, I also found it really hard to figure out who was responsible for your site's content. Um, you have, I was trying to find your about page and it's called Our Brand. I really like the idea of having your about Kate page called either about or about us. And any of you who are Americans right now can totally make fun of me for the way I say about. It's very Canadian, apparently. It sounds normal to me, but it's what I get made fun of all the time. So your about page, uh, it talks about, it says, at Inspired Italy, we are curious and excited by adventure, discover, and sharing. But there's nothing here. I do like where you say we're the leading provider of I don't know how to say it, Dolomite ski safaris. Um, you know, okay, you're the leading provider, but show me that. 
show me who says you're the leading provider according to BBC Travel, according to somebody else. It's one thing to say this about yourself, but the more you can do to say, here's what major authorities said about my company, the better. Um, but what's lacking on this about page is actually information about you. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, the quality raters guidelines, they talk about um, how important it is to know who is responsible for the content that's on a website. Now, I was actually looking at your links in Ahrefs, and I saw a link that came from BBC News. And it said, uh, we, uh, it said something about, according to Tim Hudson from uh, inspireditaly.com. And I was like, okay, so Tim, uh, I'm assuming, Tim, you're the main person uh, who uh, runs this website. I, I could be wrong here. I would encourage you to, to, to put your face on the website. I know that's hard. I, when we're, we're redoing our website, and I'm pretty sure our new homepage is going to have this big picture of me on the homepage, which is uncomfortable for me, but yet my brand is built around me. Now, I know your brand is not called TimHudson.com. Uh, you know, it's, it's inspired Italy, but you really want to do what you, all you can to, um, add a human face to uh, this company. So, because people are inherently skeptical about things that are on the internet. And I don't know when I'm looking at this, are you some kid in their basement who, you know, just writes about travel and then makes affiliate revenue off of people who click? Or are you a company that's been doing this for years and years and, uh, you know, and, and how, so if I knew that Tim, uh, had been mentioned in all these authoritative places, uh, I would really be trying to build up your EAT for, uh, for Tim. The, the final thing that I would say here, and there's a lot more, I feel like this is something that I could probably go on for an entire week on <laughs> things that uh, we could we could suggest improvements for. Um, I noticed that on your category pages, they're essentially lists of blog posts. Uh, and, you know, that's not bad, but they're not going to rank for anything. So I would um, encourage you to maybe have uh, more detailed category pages and think why... What, what do we want this category to rank for? Uh, and so I would encourage you to like sort of divide up your categories into something that makes sense to, uh, to readers. Because um, let's see, when I click on one of your trips, uh, yeah, I, I just, I find there's too much to choose from. And I would rather see like, here are all our bike trips, uh, and here's the one that we recommend. Here's our most popular one. Now, maybe this exists on your website already, but uh, in the brief time that I looked at it, I was sort of overwhelmed by the number of choices that I had. And so if I was uh, viewing, if I was in Italy and I wanted to do a, a guided bike tour, I don't even know where I would start uh, on your website. So I think guiding your user through their choices uh, is, is something that could be really helpful for you. Hopefully that's helped. I, I, I feel like, again, there's, uh, there's quite a bit more that we could say here, um, but, uh, but due to time constraints, we'll, we'll move on. Um, before we get on to the next site, we had a really, really good question uh, for those of you in local SEO. This question came from Michelle Kubat-Segovia, uh, who asked, uh, th this came up in the WhiteSpark conference just recently for local SEO. She said that a lot of the conference speakers are advocating local sponsorship links. Not a vote for your business, but shows local involvement. And what she wants to know is, would that help in your Google Maps listings? Uh, would it be just ignored by Google? So um, one of the things I want to clarify here, because people get confused between sponsorship links and scholarship links. So a scholarship link is, you know, where you say, well, look, we're going to 
we're gonna we have a local university and we're gonna give a thousand dollar scholarship to you know somebody this is not what michelle's talking about here what she's talking about is sponsorship opportunities so probably the most typical of these for local small businesses would be like a little league team that uh, maybe your company uh, sponsors them so that you can buy them shirts and then you're listed on their website as one of their sponsors and you get a link pointing back to your website is that a recommendation for your company? Because that's that's the type of link that Google wants to count. You know, they, they, they don't want to count self-made links. They don't want to count paid links. But is this a recommendation for your company? I think in a lot of cases it can be. Now, I'm not an advocate for paying for links. Uh, but I am an advocate for paying money for things that improve your brand. And I think it depends here on scale. So if you were a local small business and you sponsored uh, the Little League team and maybe, you know, two or three other things in your community, I think that's fantastic. It builds up EAT. I think the more, if you can do it in a way that actually gets people talking about it, that's a really good thing. Um, I've talked about this before, but we had a client a while back that uh, was a, a local business and uh, one of the schools in their city had a fire and they lost the music department. Uh, they lost all the instruments in this school. And so what our client did was uh, create a blog post that basically said, um, if you have an instrument to donate to the school, we'll come pick it up and we'll deliver it to the school for you. And we spread that to a bunch of the local news uh, publications and, and it got us tons of links, uh, but it also built up a lot of goodwill. Uh, because now this business is seen as doing something for the community. Um, and it also, I believe, built up EAT because uh, we had major news publications in the city mentioning my client and uh, how amazing they were. Um, and we don't know, you know how much we go, Google goes into looking at the sentiment of things, uh, but it would be very clear that when people were talking about our client, that they're talking about them in a good light, that they're doing a good thing to help the community. That's not exactly a, a sponsorship, but it's very similar. So um, where I would hesitate is, see people, when you find something that's maybe good, in SEO, what people tend to do is just do too much of it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I remember <laughs> many years ago, we would find these sponsorship opportunities by doing searches where, you know, we do uh, uh, sponsorship, like in URL sponsor, uh, in URL city, you know, whatever. And we would do these searches to find like every sponsorship opportunity we could to try to build links. Google can tell if all of your links come from like one sort of uh, method. Uh, John mentioned that just recently, John Mueller talked about Google can see if the majority of your links come from guest posting and that might spark something in the web spam team, might spark a review actually. Uh, and so, you know, if you have a website that has hundreds of links and three or four of those happen to be that you've sponsored a local company, a local, you know, organization, then that's probably okay. I, I really can't see Google dinging you for that. Um, but it's when you start to like push it for SEO reasons that it can become a problem. So let's say you sponsored 10 a month. Let's say you, you know, you had hundreds of, of little league teams across the country that you're sponsoring and then these links kind of maybe don't look as, as good. Or the other thing that we'll see is trying to manipulate the anchor text in the links you get from that sponsor. So if you're sponsoring a little league team and uh, you say to them, look, I want you to link back to my website with the anchor text, best plumber in Toronto, you know, 
those those will probably be picked up by Google's algorithms as like something unusual is going on here. So I actually think for uh, for on a very small scale, as long as it makes sense for your business, as long as it's something that would bring you value, even if SEO didn't matter, even if the links that you got from these mentions were no followed, if you are like, yeah, that would still be very valuable to my company, then yeah, it's probably okay to do that. And uh, now, will it help with your maps listings? That's a good question. Um, the maps listings are very tied into organic as well. Like, you, uh, you know, if you rank well organically, it really increases your chance to rank in the maps listings. So it probably would make a difference. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Hard to say. All right. And let's look at this next site. This site I'm really interested to look at. It's uh, a cross-stitch website. I used to do cross-stitch many years ago. It's It's... It's been a long time. I bet you a lot of people are doing cross-stitch now that uh, the pandemic is happening because we need more hobbies, right? We need the hobbies that will keep us at home. Um, and so this website is called uh, MrXStitch.com. I'm assuming the X stands for cross. Uh, it's all one word, MrXStitch.com. I'm just going to open it up on my extra screen here so I can comment on this. So I I I'm going to be a little bit harsh at first, and then I'm going to say some good things. When I looked at the site, uh, MrXStitch.com, I thought it was a spam site at first. It looks like one of these sites where uh, you can find like free wallpaper or, you know, here's a collection of images we just gathered across the web. There's almost no um, text above the fold. All I'm seeing is just a list of different categories. Uh, and then recent posts, and there's really nothing on the homepage. There's a, a big chunk of white space there because the sidebar is longer than the content, which means you've got lots of room to put content in there. And so uh, I'll sound a bit like a broken record because I've said this on most of the site reviews we've done. I would love to see EAT-related information right on your homepage. I'd like to see a picture of you. You know, if, if you're Mr. X-Stitch, Mr. Cross-Stitch, then I want to see you on the homepage. I want to see, you know, something that I can connect with something that I can relate to. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think, uh, I would like to see more information to show that you're a real authoritative company. And I, it doesn't matter if you're not necessarily authoritative, but I know you're not a kid in their basement that's just put a spam site together, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I, the content doesn't look like spam, but when I first, my first impression, when I looked at this homepage, it didn't strike me as, oh, here's a reputable company that I should pay attention to. So, uh, you know, improving on the design, um, you know, maybe adding some text, adding, uh, some pictures to show who you are uh, right on the homepage. I think that that would be that could be potentially very very helpful. Um, I also noticed that there's really no clear call to action on your homepage. Readers like to be told what to do. <laughs> they like it when uh, you know you land on the homepage and uh, where do where do you want most people to go? Um, I see that you have books. That could be something that could be your call to action. Uh, you know, right on the homepage, like hey, if you're I do see um, one of your categories is book reviews. Uh, I think you should make it uh, kind of front and center, like, hey, click here for here's 
all of our best patterns or something like that. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm faced with all these different choices of places where uh, I want to go to. I also noticed, so you had a pop-up for your mailing list. I'm not sure how, um, you know, how much business you get from your mailing list. I would imagine that that's probably a moneymaker for you. Uh, but I didn't really feel motivated to sign up for the waiting list um, or the waiting list, the mailing list. Uh, I would like to, I'm assuming that I would get a pattern every month or week or something if I do that. And that would be something I would describe in the description for the, uh, the mailing list, like not just get cool stuff. If I'm going to give you my email address, I want to know that I'm going to get uh, a pattern every week, a, you know, something of value. So uh, I think I would, I would change your verbiage there as well. Um, I did look at, here's something that I thought would be uh, a, a good uh, exercise that will help other people too who are listening to this podcast. Um, I looked at one of your posts and it was about, oh no, that's what I did. I went to Search Console and I tried to find a keyword for which you were ranked uh, not extremely well, but maybe you could make some improvement upon. And that one of those keywords was wool painting. Uh, I see, I think you're on like page two for wool painting and it's a post that is like okay-ish, um, you know, but not really the best of its kind. So when you see this, when you see something where, ah, we have a keyword that's ranking and this content maybe could be improved upon, then think about whether, uh, you know, what could you do to improve that? And so one of the things I did was look at, I did a Google search for wool painting. And uh, Google gave me a bunch of people also ask boxes. So they gave me, uh, here's some people also ask, what is wool painting? How do you make wool art? How do you frame a wool painting? How do you paint with felt? There's your article right there. You know, add those into the article. When Google does updates recently, their goal is to say, did can, are we providing users with content that actually answered their query? So if I do a search for wool painting, it's nice that I see, uh, you know, I see some examples and you have some really cool examples on your website of wool painting. Um, but I would like to see more about how do I do this? Do you have a guide on how to do it? Uh, you know, what questions do people have? I actually looked at um, when you do wool painting, Etsy comes up, which makes sense. And then a site called Star Magnolias. And it has a guide on how to do wool painting. But the guide is like this big wall of text. It's not really well broken up with headings. It's very, very hard to read through. Uh, and so I think you could do a much, much better job. And then boom, you should have a first page ranking for wool paintings. And this is something you can do with like every keyword on your site is say, I'm ranking for this keyword. Does my page actually answer users' queries or could I improve the content on that? Um, I'll echo the same stuff that I said uh, about the last website is um, in terms of your about information. Uh, if I um, click on your navigation, uh, it actually wasn't clear that I could click on your about link. And I see this all the time that I see about has a dropdown. And in your case, the dropdown says contact us or privacy policy. Um, and so I, I clicked on the contact us, but I couldn't find any information on about. It's actually not till just now. I was like, oh, maybe I could actually click on that navigation um, uh, item. So I would maybe make it more clear that uh, I can find information about who Mr. X Stitch is. But even then, I don't see any information on who you are. Uh, it's important to put your name on your website because if Google is gathering EAT website or information, 
They need to know that they can connect you with any mentions that you have in Google News, uh, in uh, other websites. They, they need to be able to make this entity graph to say, ah, this is the person who knows all the stuff about cross-stitch. Um, and so I would actually uh, do more to extol who you are and why you're qualified to, uh, to do this, not just the website, but you yourself. And then the one final thing that I wanted to mention here, and again, I, you know, I could probably go on for many, many hours with, uh, things that, um, uh, that we, little things that we think we could improve. Um, I thought it was really interesting that you have a section for not suitable for work cross stitch. I, I actually think that's uh, you know, it's probably something that's very, very popular. Uh, and I didn't actually look at the, um, uh, you know, how not suitable for work these are. But something to consider is that if you have adult content on your website, it can make it so that your website can be classified by Google as adult. And if you're struggling to rank for certain things where you're like, man, I'm not even like showing up here in the search results against these low quality sites and, and my co content is way, way better. It could be that Google is taking signals from your website uh, to say, whoa, this is adult content here. So now uh, that's something I need to look into into great more detail. But if this is the case, and, and for any of you who are listening to this right now, if you have adult content on your website, what I would recommend is putting that in its own folder. And so uh, I would recommend for this cross-stitch site that you have a folder uh, that's called NSFW, um, you know, or uh, adult or, you know, something like that. Um, and that way, if Google is has kind of flagged some of your content as not suitable for, uh, you know, an audience that wants safe search on then um, it won't impact the rest, or it's much less likely to impact the rest of your content on uh, on your website. So hopefully that's helped. I, I do think that you've got some great stuff on there. Um, and one thing I would really encourage you to do for terms where you're not ranking well is to look at what's currently ranking and say, all right, this is what Google thinks the searcher is looking for. Does my content answer the same questions? Could I do a better job? And I think in many cases, you could probably find that improvements could be made there. I think we're going to end it with that. That was a, that was a fun episode. I really like doing these site reviews. So uh, feel free to send them. I, we, we're not going to do any anonymous ones anymore because it's kind of hard for the listeners to, uh, to see what I'm talking about if you don't have the site right in front of you. Um, but if you're okay with me uh, mentioning your site uh, on the podcast, then go for it and submit it either through mariehaines.com slash newsletter or by tweeting at the MHC Inc. Twitter account. So a big Fortnite update just uh, downloaded today. So I'm going to head home soon and apparently play as Wolverine. I don't know. I'm having fun with Fortnite. I love that game so much. Uh, I'm still working up the courage to eventually start streaming. I want, I, want to, I want to do this thing where I stream and play Fortnite and, and answer SEO questions at the same time. I think it would be a lot of fun, but we'll see. We'll see, maybe one day. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that episode, and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the things that are happening in terms of these algorithm updates, because that's the most important stuff that's happening right now. And uh, I hope you have a great week, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.